following is a podcast from Echo, a student ministry at Victory Family Church. We meet every Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. For more info, check us out on Instagram at echo.victory. And what that means is getting better and better. He doesn't want you to stay stagnant. 
He doesn't want you to just know all the information you know now and never know more. He wants you to constantly be getting to know him more. He wants you to grow deeper in your relationship with him. And so today I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the opportunity to face those things that are holding you back in your relationship with God. Because in order for us to become who we were meant to be, we need to get rid of the old parts of ourselves that don't line up with the word of God. And so I don't know if any of you in here have heard of how gold is refined. Well, gold is mined. It's taken from wherever it's found. And when gold is found, it's not pure. It has other metals. It has other things in it. And so what they do is they take this gold and they put it in fire. But the thing with gold is, is that it melts super quick. But the other metals, they don't melt as quick. So the gold kind of falls to the ground. And the other metals that aren't pure, that aren't as valuable, they come to the surface. And so they sweep those other metals away. And what's left is 24 karat gold, the purest gold that you can have. And so that's what's going to happen with you today. You guys are that gold. You're that gold. But there's some things in your life that aren't adding value to who you are. There's some things in your life that are holding you back, that are stopping you. And so God's going to bring some things up to the surface so he can sweep it away. So that you can lay it down and say, God, I don't want this in my life if it doesn't bring me closer to you. So we're going to be going through a prayer in Psalm 139. And I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray that prayer if you want this in your life. And you might be thinking, oh, a prayer that doesn't sound intimidating. Well, I want you to know that prayer is super powerful. It's a weapon. And that's a whole other message that I'll have to speak on another day. But prayer is so powerful. And a lot of times we pray these prayers that they're not bad. They're not anything that isn't biblical. But they're safe prayers. And so we ask God these things and we say, God, keep me safe. Help me to get an A on that test. Help me to make the team. And it's all about us. And it's all things that are good and that make us feel good and are awesome. But we never pray these prayers that actually challenge us. That if we were to pray them and God were to answer them, that it would make us grow, that it would push us. That it would bring some things up to the surface that maybe are things that we haven't been wanting to face. And so the title of my message today is Pray Dangerously. Pray Dangerously. So if you have your Bibles or the Bible app, go to Psalm 139. Verses 23 and 24. And so these verses, these were actually, David prayed these, this prayer. And he was praying it, it was during a time of war. And some people were accusing him of doing things with the wrong motives. But instead of doing things that maybe you and I would do by saying, I would never do that. Or I only did that to help so and so. Or it's okay that I did that because this was the end result. Instead of justifying his behavior or rationalizing it, he went before God and he said, God, show me. Show me. Do I have the wrong motives? And he prayed this prayer. And it says this in verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So the first part that David asked, he said, search my heart. Search my heart. And he wasn't asking God to search his heart so that God would figure out what was in there. Because God already knows what's in our heart. 
But David asked this because he knew that he can't see himself in totality. He can't see 100% of of himself as he truly is. He knows that there's a part of himself that is deceiving who he really is. And so he went to God and he said, God, what's in there? Are there lies in there? Is it impure motives? Is there hatred in there? Is there hurt in there? God, what's in my heart? And when I was in college, I took a lot of psychology classes. I think it's so interesting. And one of the things I remember learning is that as humans, when we take in information, we kind of take it in with this kind of like a filter where we take it in to see ourselves in the best possible light. So sometimes we kind of like ignore some facts about ourselves or tell ourselves we justify, we rationalize so that we see ourselves in the best way possible. I think it's kind of a defense mechanism so we don't see ourselves in totality. And so David knew this. He knew that he couldn't see himself fully. He knew that there was a part of him that had a blind side where he couldn't see all the things in his heart, but only God could see them. And David's heart was this. It was, God, show me what's in there that's not of you. Because his heart was only to grow closer to the Father. His heart was only to become more like God. And so he prayed this prayer knowing that there are some things that he can't see Just like the rest of us, there's things in our heart we can't see. But he wants God to bring them to the light so that he can become more like him. And so the second thing that David prayed is he said, test me and know my anxious thoughts. And so what he was basically saying in that part is reveal my fears. And so he wasn't saying things like, God, show me if I'm afraid of spiders and snakes. We already know those things, right? Centipedes, yeah, afraid of centipedes, all right. But he wasn't asking God those types of fears. He was asking God the fears that shake us, that really when we think about them, if they were to happen, it were to devastate us. Maybe it's a fear of failure, possibly a fear of success, a fear of not having any friends, losing the friends you have, never finding love. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown or the future. Or maybe possibly it's the fear of losing a loved one. The thought of losing your parents just totally freaks you out. And every time they leave the house, you start to pray and you worry about, God, please make sure that they're safe. Or maybe you're afraid something's going to happen to your friends or a sibling. But there's that fear of loss on the inside of you and it kind of controls you and eats away at you. And so for me, the fear that I struggled with was the fear of losing Mila. The fear of losing Mila. So some of you know whenever Mila was born, she was born with this infection. And she was in the hospital for a little bit after she was born. And so this fear was instilled on the inside of me of the fact of like something could really happen to my child. Like it's very possible that I could lose her, that she could get sick. The possibility of that really became a reality. And so I take this little baby home along with my new fear. And since none of you have been first-time parents in here, I'll let you know it's really scary. Because you bring home this other life and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to remember to feed you. I have to like put you to sleep and wake you up, put you on the schedule. I have to change your diaper, buy you clothes. Like it's this huge responsibility and you're like, oh my goodness, there's nobody else around to help. It's, It's just me. And so I realized that I was Mila's main protector. And so I started to get freaked out about all the things that could happen to her. I started to go through all these scenarios in my head of like, what if zombies attack and they come and they take Mila? Like all these crazy things that would like never, ever happen. They went through my head and I thought about them. But it wasn't until I was talking to somebody that they pointed out the fact of, hey, you're not trusting God. 
you're not trusting God. And so we ask God to reveal our fears because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. So if you're afraid that God's not going to provide for you, it's because you think he's not capable. Maybe you think he's not good enough, that he doesn't love you enough to provide for you, so therefore the fear comes in. Or maybe if you're afraid of losing somebody like I was, my fear was that I didn't think God loved her enough to protect her. I thought that maybe God wasn't going to protect her like he was going to punish me in some way. And so I had this bad view of God. And so when we put our fears before God, it shows us what we think ill of God, what we don't believe about God to be true. We think he's not going to provide, he's not capable, he's not good, he doesn't really love me. And so all these lies start to get exposed. But it's not until we hand over those fears and surrender them fully to God that he can deal with them. The third thing that David prayed for is see if there's any offensive way in me. And this was basically saying reveal my sins. He was saying, God, is there something that I'm doing that is hurting you? Is there something that I'm doing that isn't lining up with who you are? Is there something about me that is saying that, this, that you're not good, that you're not true? Is there something that I'm doing that is hurting my relationship with you? Because if you've ever sinned in here, which we all have, sometimes when we sin, we feel like God doesn't love us anymore or that he's judging us, or that he's going to push us away. And so when we sin, a lot of times we keep it hidden from God, and we say, God, you can't see this part of my life. I don't want you to know all the bad things that I've done. And so we kind of we keep it away from God. And the very area that we need to let God in, we actually shut him out. Because we believe that God isn't going to love us if he knows how much we've sinned, or that we let him see that sin. But the truth about sin is it actually does nothing to affect God's heart. He still loves you the same if you mess up all the time or if you don't. The thing with sin is it messes with your heart. You begin to think bad things about yourself. Shame comes in. You think less of yourself. You believe that God isn't going to love you because of it, so it makes you kind of push God back. And so all of these things enter your heart all the while. God is there wanting to love on you. He's there so near to you. And so for me, I struggled with a sin in high school. I was going to church. I had grown up in church, did all the things, went to VBS all the time, went to church twice a week, was saved when I was six years old. I knew what the Bible said. I knew what I was supposed to do, what I wasn't supposed to do. But there was this thing that kind of happened in 10th grade that kind of took over my life. It started with one thing, and then it just kept snowballing into the next thing. And that's the crazy thing with sin is that if we don't take control of it, it will take control of us until we do something about it. And so it just kept growing in my life. And all the while I'm here at church and I'm praising Jesus and I'm on stage. I was on the worship team at that point and I was praising Jesus and I look like that good Christian girl. I was sitting where you guys are. But when I would go to school, I would be somebody totally different. People might have known that I was a Christian, but I didn't act like it. I wasn't totally horrible, but I wasn't all that God had for me. And so a lot of times we think that sin only affects us, or sometimes we think it doesn't. But for me on the inside, I was actually dying this whole time. Every time I did this sin, it just kept eating away at me every single time. But the thing with sin is that it affects everybody around us. Because when you sin... You allow that to take control of your heart instead of God. There's an area of your life that is controlled 
by the enemy instead of by God. And so when that happens, it takes away your gift, it takes away your impact. And so instead of me being impactful at my high school, instead of me helping people, instead of me leading people to Christ, I was in my sin. And so I think about what could have happened if I would have given it all to God? How would my life have been different? How could I have helped other people? And so when you live a life of sin, what happens is that the world doesn't have the gift. The world doesn't have your calling in this world. It doesn't have it. It gets, it gets that taken away. And so the thing that God has called you to, you don't live it out because this sin has taken control. And so if everybody else in the body of Christ misses out. Everybody else in the world that is in darkness misses out because you're not walking in what God has called you to. Because every single one of you is called to something great. Every single one of you is going to make an impact. But we have to remove these things in our life that hurt our relationship with God and stop us from being all that he's called us to be. And so as I'm talking, I'm sure that some of you might have some things that are popping up. Some things that you're like, okay, I know that I've been doing this and that's not okay. And the good thing with God is all we have to do is ask for his forgiveness. And he forgives us. But the second thing I encourage you to do is to tell somebody that you trust. Somebody that's going to tell you biblical truth, not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And so our small group leaders will be on the sides at the end of service if you want to talk with them about that or process anything. But there might be some of us in here that we have sin that we're unaware of. Sin that we've been doing that maybe we're not sure of. It's, it's been in our blind spot and we're, we haven't seen it. So I'm going to ask you guys three questions. And I want you to ask yourselves these questions and be honest with yourselves. It's going to help you to be self-aware about maybe some things you've been doing. The first question is, what have others been trying to tell me? What have others been trying to tell me? Maybe you've been going through your life and different people have been telling you the same thing. Oh, you, you talk really nasty about people when they're not around. Or you complain a lot about this or that. Or you are always on your phone. All these things that like somebody keeps telling you, the different people tell you the same thing over and over again. Because even though it's different people, the common denominator in that factor is you. So when that happens, we give it to God and we say, God, show me if this is true about myself. The second question we need to ask ourselves is, what have I rationalized for some time? Or in other words, what do you know that you've been doing that's not right, but you're like, it's not that big of a deal. That's how I cope with things, so it's okay. Or the end result is okay, so it's fine. It gets me through the day. It makes me feel better. It takes the stress away. Nobody knows. It's nobody's business. It only affects me. What are the things that you rationalize? When you do them, you kind of dismiss them. And the third question I want you to ask yourself is where am I the most defensive? Where am I the most defensive? When people bring it up to you and they say, you play video games all the time. You say, no, I don't. We're not talking about that. I'm fine. Or you say, it's none of your business. Don't worry about it. It's between me and God or whatever. And you get super angry and you get on the defense because you don't want to deal with it because you know that what they're saying is true. And so you might be processed people like me. And you might need to sit and think on these questions. But some of you have stuff already being brought up. 
But the fourth thing that David prayed, which is so important, is he said, lead me in the way of everlasting. Or the way that the Passion Translation reads it is, and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. So God is going to bring some stuff up into your memory. He's going to show you some things. But it's only because he loves you. It's only because he cares about you. It's because he wants you to get better. And God's heart this whole time is for you to draw close to him. His whole goal in all of eternity since the earth was formed is so that he could have a close relationship with you. And so when these things happen in your life, when we keep these sins, when we keep these fears, when we keep these struggles in our life, it puts this wedge between us and God because of the thing that happens in our heart. But the whole time God is there and he's wanting us to draw close to him. He's wanting us to get more of him. He is there the entire time and all he wants is you. And so he shows you these things because he wants you to lay them down and surrender them to him. Because these are the areas that we need Jesus the most in. And he wants you to know that he's here to help you. The Bible says, David prayed, God, help me to get back on that path. And so that's the very thing that God will do. And so when God brings these things into your memory, when he shows you these things, he will show you the way on how to deal with them. He will help you. He will give you the grace. He will give you the knowledge. He will give you the wisdom on how to best face them. He will not leave you hanging. He will not leave you struggling. But he is there to help you. He is there to guide you. And he's there to lead you. And so I'm going to ask the small group leaders to stand up. I'm going to ask the guys to go on this side. And the ladies over here. I want you guys to see where they're at. I know it can be intimidating to go up for prayer. But if you need prayer for anything, that's what they're there for. Our small group leaders, guys, I don't know if you understand the commitment that they make. But they are here every weekend. Every single weekend. Because their heart is for you. Their heart is to help you grow in your relationship with God. They love you. They are wise. And they are absolutely amazing. And so they are here for this very reason, to help you navigate the things that might be very tricky. The things that maybe they themselves have experienced. That they know what to say, the wisdom to give you. They know what to pray for you for. So they are there, ready to help you. But I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and come here in the front. Because I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer. We're going to pray it together. But I can't make you. It's totally up to you. you guys want to grow in your relationship with God and you're saying God I'm not afraid of what you might show me it's okay if you show me some things that make it uncomfortable some things that I don't want to hear but God I want to grow with you I want to draw closer to you then I'm going to encourage you to say this prayer so I'm going to ask everybody close your eyes everybody close your eyes between you and God. When you pray this prayer, expect that he's going to say things to you. Just listen for his voice. You guys can hear him. You don't need me to hear it for you. But God speaks to you guys all the time. And so expect that he is going to say some things to you. And just be open. Don't dismiss it. Don't push it away. 
but just let him gently speak to you. And we're going to go back into worship after we pray this prayer together. And just continue to worship him as the good God that he is. So just repeat this prayer after me. Say, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name.